Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Heather Fox. Hi everyone, welcome to Parent Talk, broadcasting out of the greater Vancouver area. Parent Talk is a conversation that supports and encourages moms and dads. Our show is a great way to connect and bounce ideas off of other parents going through similar experiences, helping us be the best parents we can be. If you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit us at the contact us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. I'm Genevieve Kyle. I'm the founder and your host of Parent Talk. I'm a 41-year-old new mom of a one-year-old little boy named Alexandre, and I am a registered dental hygienist. Today, we're talking about gross motor skills development in children age one to five. So let's go around the table and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Heather Fox, and I'm your co-host of Parent Talk. I am 40 years old and a new mom to baby Hudson, who is now one years old. I'm a stay-at-home mom. However, my background is in early childhood education, and I'm a former owner of Jimboree Play and Music. Hello, everyone. My name is Sylvana. I'm a pediatric physiotherapist, so that means I'm a physio that works with children only. I graduated from UBC, and I've been working at Kids Physio Group, one of the pediatric-only physiotherapy clinics in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland for just over three years now. Hello, everyone. My name is Bobak Roshandeli, or also known as Coach Bobby at Jump Gymnastics, the non-competitive gymnastics facility, which I manage and coach at currently. Well, thank you, everybody, for being here. So let's dive right into it. So what are gross motor skills? So gross motor skills are skills that require full body movements. So they use large muscles and different body parts and require the coordination between different muscles and different limbs to achieve the skill. So these are things like walking, running, jumping, and general things that kids used to play. Um, there are three main categories of gross motor skills. The first one is stationary skills, so things that are done in one, spa- one spot without moving. So things like balancing on one foot or, for example, doing a sit-up. Then there's also locomotion skills. So these are skills that use movement to get you from one place to another. So things like walking and running or bunny hopping. Um, And then the last type of gross motor skill is object manipulation or ball skills. So things like catching a ball, throwing a ball, kicking a ball, and just being able to manipulate a ball with your body. Um, So all these skills are developed through life, but in the ages that we're talking about today, one to five years old, um, they go through a quick development. So we learn a lot of these skills really quickly through those ages. So Silvana, why is it important to keep up with gross motor skill in a uh, one to five-year-old? Yeah, so like I was just talking about, in that age, these skills develop really quickly and gross motor skills actually build upon each other. So you need to be able to balance on one foot before you're able to hop on one foot. So if you're having a hard time balancing on one foot and it's taking you a really long time to learn that, then you're going to have an even harder time learning how to hop on one foot. So it's kind of important to stay on top of these skills so that you can learn the basic ones that you can then build upon. Um, Also, these gross motor skills carry over into general activities of daily life. So 
kids will use gross motor skills in general at things like school and playgrounds and gymnastics class or sports. So it's really important for them to have these skills so that they can participate in the community with their peers. And also these skills do take us through life. So as adults, we may not need to be able to balance on one foot during a game, but we do need to be able to catch ourselves on one foot when we trip and fall, like to prevent falling, or if you're balancing while you're riding a bus. So these skills develop when you're young, but they then are used throughout life. So it's important to develop them early rather than having to work on them later on in life when things become an issue. And then there's also this social component of gross motor skills. So this is something that sometimes a little bit underestimated, but it's so important for kids to be able to play together and play with each other. And if a child is having difficulty with their gross motor skills, they might have a harder time playing with kids their age. So if they're not able to kick a ball, they might not be able to play soccer with their friends. Or if they're having a hard time running because they trip and fall, they might have a hard time playing tag with their friends. So being able to stay on top of these skills is really important to be able to have kids participate as much as they can with their peers in their community. So how do gymnastic and physical literacy play a role in development of growth motor skills? Excellent question. I will begin with defining physical literacy for everyone. Physical literacy is the fundamental movement skills, confidence, and motivation that children will acquire and use throughout their lifetime to be active as they grow older. Jump gymnastics uses this in a non-competitive gym environment, So it focuses mostly on getting the kids confident, motivated, and wanting to learn for themselves as opposed to telling them exactly how to do things. This keeps things fun and exciting for the kiddos and it very much allows them to develop at their own pace, which is what we want. And we want them to be comfortable and confident in their own learning abilities. Why is physical literacy important, Bobby? Physical literacy is very important because I see many parents putting their kids into programs, for instance, soccer at a young age, And the children do well in soccer. They excel throughout their, throughout their youth. But as they grow older, when they turn 16, 17, 18, for instance, they've played soccer throughout their, through their whole lives so that when they finish, they don't have other skills to pick up other sports and be active for their life. So most of the time, they will just stop playing that sport and not be active for the rest of their life. Physical literacy is very important because we nurture the kiddos at, at a young age and we allow them to develop these things for themselves so that when they grow older, They can make an educated decision for themselves on what they want to pursue, what activities they want to pursue, preventing themselves from being inactive in the future as well. Okay, so let's say my child is one and a half year old. So is it too young for gymnastic? What do they do? Like at one and a half, you know? It's an excellent question. I get asked many times. Jump Gymnastics actually begins their programs at six months and we have um, different programs for every age group. So we'll have a six month for babies, one-year-old, jump one program for one-year-olds, jump two, jump three, and so on. We go up until their eighth birthday. For a one-year-old, for instance, we have many spatial awareness skills that they were going to use on a day-to-day -day basis, whether their body can fit through a certain object or how big something is, how tall they are. As their body always grows, it's very important for them to develop this and to be aware of that. We also do fine motor skill development as well, in addition to the gross motor skills, something that is very important for kiddos, just to be able to grip something, to pull themselves up onto a weight, very important as well. Um, and then we cannot discount the social aspect of it as well. Sylvana touched on this a little bit earlier, but just walking into a new environment with different people, also different kiddos and parents as well, 
Sometimes they're overawed by the whole experience, so it's really good for them to take a step back, be aware, smile, enjoy the moment. So Silvana, what do family usually notice that makes them decide to go to physio for gross motor skills concerns? So parents come for a variety of different reasons to physio for kids of ages one to five. One of the main things that parents complain about is that their kids are not able to keep up with their friends. So whether they're in a play group or maybe they're attending a jump gymnastics class um, or any other type of physical activity, and they're noticing that other kids are doing things that their child is not doing. So that's kind of the main thing that brings them to physio. But there are also a couple of other reasons. Sometimes parents will complain that their child is not enjoying physical activity. Maybe they don't want to participate Um, or maybe they're actually refusing to attend these little classes that they're mm. being taken to. Um, another really common thing that we see is tripping and falling. So the parents will say, oh, we went for a little walk on a path and every single time there's a crack, my child trips. And if they trip, they're not able to catch their balance. They fall right up and they always have scrapes and bruises. So that's another really common thing that leads parents to seek physio. Um, as well as actually signs of pain. Usually kids in this age are not able to complain of pain or they don't know where the pain's coming from, but they'll sometimes maybe limp a little bit or parents will notice they're avoiding certain types of movements or they'll say like, it hurts. I'm not sure where, but it hurts. So that's another reason why parents will sometimes come to physio and it can definitely be related to the gross motor skills. And for you, Bobby, as a gymnastic coach, what would make you refer a child to physio? Um, so as I touched on earlier, initially when we see a child for the first time, we can notice if they're ready for gymnastics just by maintaining eye contact. And for instance, if we tell them, if we ask them how they're doing, hello, how are you? If they respond to us, if they maintain eye contact, if they're social. Sometimes kiddos are not aware of what's going on, and that's that's a red flag usually. If if they can't gauge the situation, follow along with uh, with parents and kiddos as well. Also, if uh, they're practicing their skills in the gym. Not landing on two feet, constantly landing on two knees, and just being a little bit clumsy. That's when we will refer them to a physio. The beauty about jump gymnastics in North Van is that we have the kids' physio group right beside us, right inside our facility, actually. So it's just a couple steps away, and then we, we can refer them to it. And it allows the parents that peace of mind to know that if we see an issue, we can tackle it right away, as opposed to letting it linger. So how do you measure gross motor skills and how can you tell if there's a delay? So usually we'll assess gross motor skills within the context of play. So I always want to give a child the opportunity to show me what skills they're able to do instead of me asking them to do something. Asking a child to do something actually puts a huge stress on them um, and it's kind of a bit of a performance task rather than actually seeing the skill. So if, for example, I have a four-year-old coming in for a gross motor assessment, I'm not going to ask them, hey, can you jump over this hurdle and do it 10 times in a row? I'm going to maybe set up an obstacle course and start with something a little bit easy, like maybe jumping on spot markers on the floor. And if they're able to do that, then I'll make it a little bit harder and I'll say like, oh, let's do level two and let's now put some little hurdles on here and now you have to hop over the lava or whatever. So it's more fun for them and they want to engage in it. And then I can see from that what they're actually able to do. Um, and then they can show me all these skills without feeling pressured into showing them to me. And then through that play context, if I'm seeing that they're not able to do some of the things that I would expect in general for their age, then we can do a more detailed assessment. So there's a lot of different assessments and standardized measures that can measure 
gross motor skills in kids. The one that I typically use is called the Peabody. So it's just a standardized assessment that's got different skills at each month of development and we can test those again we try to make it kind of more play-based so that the child doesn't feel that performance anxiety um but because it's standardized it actually gives us a percentile of how a child is performing compared to other kids of their same age and kids totally develop differently at different rates so we don't expect everyone to be at the hundredth percentile but anyone that's falling between the 25th and 75th percentile in this test means they're kind of within average. So their skills are developing okay. They may have some kids that are a little bit better than them, some kids that are a little bit worse than them, but in general, they're kind of falling in the middle and that's totally fine. If we see kids that are lower than the 25th percentile, that means that 75% of kids their age are able to do skills that they cannot. So if you think about that, If you have a child that's falling below the 25th percentile and they're playing games with their peers, they aren't going to be able to do things that 75% of their friends can do. So that's where we want to intervene, just because we want to give them those skills that they're lacking to kind of catch up a little bit with their peers. So it also, having an assessment like this, also tells us the specific areas that we can focus on. This assessment assesses specifically the three areas of gross motor skills that I talked about before, stationary skills, locomotion skills, and ball skills. So we can know, okay, maybe they're doing really well kicking and throwing balls, but maybe they're not so good with their stationary skills. Maybe their balance is lacking a little bit. So using a standardized assessment allows us to know what to focus on, and then we can use it to compare to see if they're improving or not. And then another important component of an assessment for gross motor skills is things like range of motion, strength, and coordination, because these are things that can also affect a child's ability to complete gross motor tasks. So if a four-year-old, for example, isn't able to jump over a hurdle, it can be that they haven't practiced it enough, or they've never tried the skill, or it can be that maybe they don't have enough strength in their legs. So if their muscles in their legs are weak, even if they have kind of the ability to complete the movement, they just aren't able to generate enough power to jump over the hurdle. So then we know what we want to work on is the strength. So that's also another thing that's important to assess. So sometimes parents will be really worried because their child isn't doing anything, but it just happens that that child's friends are really, really good at a skill and they're comparing to someone that maybe is above average. And a lot of the times we have parents come in, we do an assessment and their child's doing fine, but maybe the one thing they can't do is balance on one foot. So we can ease their mind and let them know, hey, your child's doing great. The one thing you want to work on is this. And we can give them some really good ideas of what to work on to achieve that specific skill. Um, So definitely easing parents' mind is, is a good outcome of doing this type of assessment. And then the other point, what happens if we don't actually work on this? If there's a delay and we don't do anything about it. So that speaks a little bit to what I was saying earlier about how gross motor skills build upon each other and how they're really important later in life as well. So if you're not, if there is an actual delay and you're not working on it, it's just going to cause a little bit of delay in future skills that would build upon what you should be having at that moment. So um, that can lead to 
decreased participation in sports. Um, like once they enter kindergarten and school, the kids might not be able to participate in PE class to the full extent, or they might have a harder time and they might develop a bit of an aversion to physical activity. Um, and then that can lead to inactivity later in life, which can lead to a lot of different health concerns. So let's say my son cannot stand on one foot. So of course he can't stand on one foot. He won't be able to bounce on one foot. And you would basically assess him and would you would give him basically some exercises to do to actually start from the beginning of his balancing skill, I guess. Like, so go and uh, uh, learn how to, um, I don't know, balance holding something. I'm not sure. Like, I'm just trying to think what, what kind of example can we give to our listeners here? Yeah, absolutely. So with that exact example that you just gave me, say, for example, you're bringing your child um, and they're maybe four and their friends are playing hopscotch and you're like, oh, my child can't hop on one foot when they're playing hopscotch. He always lands on just two feet or he lands on his knees and he's not able to do the hopping on one foot part. And then I go through this play-based assessment and maybe the standardized assessment and we realize that your four-year-old child can only balance on one foot for one second like just momentarily then we know well of course he's not going to be able to land on one foot and then propel of one foot off of one foot to jump um, if he's only able to balance on one foot for one second so then we know okay this is what we want to work on we don't want to work on him hopping on one foot yet we want to work on him having really good strong balance standing on one leg so that he can then have strength to jump off of that foot and onto one foot so we would do things maybe like say stomping bubbles or stepping over obstacles, um, little things like that, or playing like animal walks and standing like a flamingo where he can gain a little bit more balance on that foot. And then we can move on to jumping and hopping and maybe practicing hopscotch and have that really good goal of what we want to see in the end. And to add to this uh, for gymnastics, for instance, with uh, our classes under three years old, the parents are always coming into the gym with the kiddos. A lot of the times we see parents who will just take the child and place them somewhere or do the skill for them. And I always try to remind parents that it is about the process, not the end result. And this is best um, managed through repetition. So always telling them feet first, feet first, feet first, or physically grabbing their hips, manipulating their body weight so they're landing on their two feet. And by repetition, the kids, it comes into their mind more often and they're able to use that in the future for their benefit. And speaking of that, actually, um, some of our listeners might know my background also is in gymnastics. I've been mm -hmm. coaching for over 25 years. And with Gymboree, um, not that it was a gymnastics program, but it was a program very based in gross motor skills and fine motor skills and child development that way. Um, one thing that it, I think it is important for parents to understand is that we want to encourage our children to land on two feet. I see so many parents when they would come into the gym, they would just kind of allow their children to land on their knees or allow their children to land on their bum and think it's just fun and playful, but it's not actually helping those development skills. So it's really important to encourage those parents. So all those parents out there to understand, to, you know, encourage your children to land on their feet and give them fun ways to think of why they're landing on their feet. I remember joking with kids, you know, you don't have any toes on your knees. What are you doing? Where are your toes? Make sure you're landing on your feet. Um, or do you tell them it's a motorcycle and they've got to go vroom, vroom with their hands when they land on whatever it happens to be. So just giving your children different reasons or fun ways, playful imagination ways to be thinking about landing on their feet and things like that. And on that note with landing on two feet, again, about the importance of developing gross motor skills, you can see how important landing on two feet can be, even as an adult, if you fall off of something or you're jumping off of something and you land on your knees, you might actually fracture something or it can lead to a really 
severe injury, but if you've got this ingrained pattern of being able to land on two feet, um, you've got it. And then that's going to be the best way of landing in any situation, really. So it's important to develop these skills. What are some of the important growth motor skills for kids from one to five years of age? And when do they take place, Silvana? Yeah, so maybe what I'll do is I'll talk about one or two specific skills that develop at each age between ages one to five. And these are really good ones for parents to kind of focus on. So as their kid grows a little bit older, they know kind of what to expect and what they can start working on. So starting at one year old, we know we want kids to start walking. So they don't have to start walking at 12 months of age. That's totally fine. But between one and two years old, we want kids to start walking a little bit. And we want them to get a little bit more proficient at walking by the time they're two. So they should be able to kind of walk up a little step or they should be able to walk in a room and then squat down to pick up a toy and be able to stand back up and continue walking with that toy and start to be able to walk on unstable surfaces. That's kind of mainly what we're looking for in that one to two year old range. And for gymnastics, the same can be applied. Um, what we look for in one early one year old is just being able to physically lift themselves up to standing position and then use maybe benches or tables or anything that's in their area to help them walk around while they're keeping their grip and walking on their two feet. As, as a two-year-old, we also look for bear walking, so that's just achieved hands and toes, walking up a slight incline, doing a nice crawl on a, on a stable ground as well. We look for that. And yeah, for a two-year-old, we would also look for them to be able to go up and down stairs without support. So it doesn't have to be really big stairs and they don't have to take one foot on each step, but just bringing one foot and then the other foot up to meet it without requiring the assistance of someone. That's another thing that we look for. Um, and at two years of age is actually when kids start to jump as well. So they don't have to be super amazing jumpers and jumping over anything, but they just start to take both feet off the ground at the same time and you can see them at this time kind of start to explore their body and do a few little jumps on the same time on the spot and they might only just get a couple of centimeters off the floor but they're starting to explore using their two legs together also with gymnastics on that topic um jumping and landing on two feet is amazing sometimes kiddos kiddos don't have the capabilities to do that so we'll focus on donkey kicks so they'll put their hands down on a flat surface and kick their feet two feet together landing side to side, always keeping their two feet. Yeah, so then at three years old, we're looking for that jump to become a little bit more developed. So we want to make sure now that kids are taking off and landing with two feet at the same time, not leading with one foot, and they should be able to actually jump forward a distance um, at three years old. And as well, this is where balance starts to develop a little bit more. So standing on one foot at three years old, you should be able to stand for about five seconds on one foot. And again, it doesn't have to be super perfect or amazing, but they should be able to have that single leg stands for a little bit longer than just momentarily. With gymnastics, we'll also focus on log rolling. Um, I remember as a child myself seeing kids all the time too. Um, everyone loves to log roll down in a hill, down an incline. That's super fun. Log rolling up, on the other hand, is a bit trickier and it requires a lot of different muscle groups. For instance, the first time I did it, I had no idea how much hamstring strength it requires. So <laughs> it's, it's great to uh, manage the kiddos with that and help them along the way. And at, it's at that age, four to five, that they start developing those skills for themselves. Log rolling, 
cartwheels and even backward rolls as well. Also, a couple of other skills that we look for in four to five-year-olds is being able to jump over a hurdle. So then they should be able to have the strength to not only jump with two feet and jump forward, but actually get enough power that they can jump up and over something and have the confidence that they're going to be able to clear that obstacle. Um, And then at five years old, their balance should be good enough to be able to stand on one foot for actually about 10 seconds. So now they're becoming a lot more proficient. Now when they're balancing on one foot, they should be able to keep their hands on their hips and not sway their trunk very much. They should start to become a lot more comfortable with that single leg stance. And that's what's really going to help them to be able to catch their balance if they trip on something because they have that ingrained natural ability to stand on one foot. So if her child has a delay in gross motor skills, so what can we do about it? So our first line of defense is always education. So we can't fix what we don't know. So if a, ch- if a parent doesn't know that their child is having issues, they're not going to do anything about fixing it. So doing things like this podcast where parents can know and learn what to watch out for is really always kind of the first thing that we want and just educating parents. So again, like I said, when I have parents come in for a gross motor assessment, I really focus a lot on educating parents as to what their child could be doing at this moment and what they can be doing later on. So they know what to watch out for next and what to work on next. So that education piece is huge and just always easing parents' minds that it's not a huge concern if their child is delayed within this age. It's just that we want to help them get better. So providing that education is key. And then what we want to go from there, if there are actual delays, is working on early intervention. So like I was saying before, these skills build upon each other. So if there is an issue, working on that issue earlier will give us way more benefit than waiting until the child is of school age. And then now they're in school, now they're maybe seven, and now you're starting to see that they're having difficulties with balancing on one foot. And now you're having to go back to skills that should have been developed a lot earlier. Um, And then that can take a lot longer to improve and they might be a lot less willing to want to do those types of training. So starting early is really important and it's also really supported by the research. So early intervention has been shown to be really good for kids, especially when they are having some concerns with their gross motor skills specifically. And in this early intervention, we always want to keep it play-based. So we don't want to make a child, that like a, a five-year-old, just practice balancing on one foot for 10 seconds with their hands on their hips over and over. Like that's not going to be fun for the child or the parent or for myself. Um, so trying to do things through play, it's going to get a lot more buy-in from the child and then they're going to want to practice this, which is huge. That's the, re- the whole reason we wanted them to improve their gross motor skills is so that they can be active and they can participate in sports and playing with their friends. So if we make it non-threatening and fun then they're even more likely to want to do those things and then they'll practice it throughout their lives and throughout their everyday life not just during physio or while they're doing their exercises just another thing that's important in terms of what to do about gross motor skills delays is we want to make sure that we're also considering other components of development that can be causing these delays so it's not just that a child hasn't learned a skill but they like i said before they might have difficulties with their strength for example so we want to make sure we address any strength issues that are going on sometimes balance and stability is an issue so for example children that have really lax ligaments and really kind of lose joints they have a harder time learning skills because their bodies require more strength for their muscles 
to be able to achieve the same amount of balance and stability than a child with less lax ligaments would have. So we definitely want to work on that. And then another big component is proprioception or body awareness and spatial awareness. So kind of knowing where your body is in space and how your body moves is a huge, huge component of gross motor skill development. And that's something that jump gymnastics and other programs like that, where you're developing physical literacy, that's something that's really targeted by those types of programs. And it's huge in terms of development in that age of one to five. All right. So this is all good information, right? So Silvana and Bobby, where can people find you? Um, we are located in North Vancouver, just off of Dollarton Highway, right uh, across the Second Arrows Bridge. We have a lovely location. We'd love it for any parents to come. Any trial class they come to jump is free. So it should so it's be great to incentive. try. Yes. So if you wonder if you want to do this. You guys have more than one location for Yes, the, we also yeah. have a location in Yaletown. This is just the jump gymnastics, however. Okay. The one in North End is shared with Physio. Okay. The location in Yaletown, just across BC Place. Unfortunately, that one is not linked to Kids Physio at all. So if you would like to get the dual treatment, come to the North End location. And for Kids Physio, we've got three locations. One is in Vancouver. It's just located on the corner of Fraser and 18th. And our second location is in North Vancouver, which is the one that's joined with Jump Gymnastics. And then we have a third location in Surrey. Um, it's just on 104th, really close actually to the highway. Um, so yeah, all of our three locations are quite similar in terms of like the physios that work there, the equipment that we have and our kind of values and what we work with, but just only the North Vancouver ones, the one that's together with Jump Gymnastics. And our website at kidsphysio.ca and we also have a really cool Instagram account so listeners can definitely follow us it's just at kidsphysio and we post lots of really cool tips and tricks for motor development and for what to watch out for so you can always reach us through that as well top off this um, subject just um, as coming from a gymnastics background as well how much gymnastics is such a fantastic sport to kind of get your little ones into, especially at a really young age, because it's just a great foundation as kind of, we've all talked about the gross motor skills and all that. And, you know, it's just, if you can get your little one into things like this, it's just going to help them that much more and support their development for any future sports that they want to do. And that's why jump gymnastics is so great because it's not a competitive gym. There's a lot of gyms out there that have the competitive side to gymnastics, which is sometimes where we all think of when we think of gymnastics. And I think it's really important that they are having locations out there now that are just recreation and play-based. Um, there is also one in the Tri-Cities, not jump gymnastics, but it's called leapfrog gymnastics. So if you're looking out in this area, um, if you're looking for that play-based where you're just focusing on the skills rather than a competitive gymnastics environment. But I think it's just such a great thing for children to get involved in. And I think we have to add, like, gymnastics is not only for girls. You know, you, no. we always think about girls and doing to gymnastics. It's, it's really like as much for little boys and little oh, girls, yes. right? Yes, we, we love to make things fun for the kids. We kind of disguise it in a way that the kids discover these things for themselves mm -hmm. and they want to show off. So we'll always start really slow. We'll start with the basics. They can master that skill and then move on to the next. And that's where our coaches come into. We get a lot of individual training as well. Mm -hmm. We start with a very broad skill set for the kiddos, for everyone when we're teaching. But then we'll always go one-on-one -on -one with the kiddos and say, oh, let's try this now. Let's give you a challenge. Because every kid is different, as we learned. And they thrive on that that change. They always want to be on their toes. So 
it's it's amazing to see. And and for parents who don't live in the vicinity or who can't make it out to jump, obviously we love to have you there. We we wanna we wanna see everyone. More people is better, obviously. However, there are many activities you can try at home with your kiddos. Jumping on two feet, jumping backwards, for instance, weight bearing, even going down and up an incline as well. So these are all things we can practice and keep with our kiddos all the time. All right. I think it's time for a conversation card. Please, Heather, can you grab one and read it to us? So we play a little game. And our question of the day is, what would you like to be doing in 10 years? That's an excellent question, a question that I've actually been thinking of recently. Um, for myself personally, I've spoken to our owner at Jump Gymnastics, and I'm really keen on opening up my own facility, whether it is linked to Jump Gymnastics or not. This is something I have really developed a passion for and would love to do for the rest of my life. So that's what I would ideally like to do, is have my own facility. Right? Yeah. Yes. Any more. For <laughs> you, Savannah. Um, for me, in 10 years, I definitely see myself continuing to work as a pediatric therapist. This is definitely my passion. I love working with kids, and I think that definitely helps keep me young. So hopefully, even in 10 years, I'll still feel young and super energetic and happy to play with all these little kiddos. Um, and then in 10 years, I also see myself having kids of my own and having my own family and yeah, raising some kids with some really good gross motor skills. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, for myself right now, I'm doing the mom thing. So, of course, I've got my son, Hudson, and we are planning on having a second one in the near future. Um, so in 10 years, I mean, they'll be in school by then. And so I actually see myself heading back to the gymnastics world. So I'll be joining you guys. <laughs> That's awesome. For us in 10 years, actually, we would like to be retired as a dental hygienist, and I'll have my maybe my other life as a podcaster. So <laughs> yes, I'll be doing that with every <laughs> We'll still be we'll doing still this. Be here. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just bring the community closer, closer together, and we'll see where that leads us. But I'm really looking forward to see uh, how we're going to bring uh, the world together. Yeah. All right. So that concludes today's episode. Uh, thank you, Silvana. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Heather, for being here. Uh, thank you for your contribution in other parents' life. For our listeners, the conversation continues on our website at parenttalk.ca. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podbean. And you can subscribe to this podcast on our website at parenttalk.ca so you don't miss an episode of Parent Talk. Don't forget to review us. Remember, there's nothing more powerful than feeling supported by a community of parents and sharing your thoughts, ideas, and experiences. Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. Thank you for listening and have a great week. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.